Or Hey everyone, this is Christy, Soul Magazine's assistant editor. Welcome to episode 58 of In the Spray Room, our podcast where we talk to some of the best and brightest artists working on the streets today. For our daily online content, check us out on soulmagny.com, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at soulmag. And In the Spray Room can be found now on all major podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and through Amazon Alexa. Today's crew consists of myself, Bike Girl. Hello. A birthday girl, almost. Erica might sit in, too. It was was just my birthday. Oh, it was just your birthday. And... It's over. Who else? (laughs) Brooklyn's own Big Ronnie. Hello. See, sometimes we play time shift, like we record, and it's not going to go up for a week and stuff like that. Exactly. We we never really know what day it is. What year is it? Wibbly wobbly. (laughs) We don't know what year it is, uh, day it is, month it is, but... It's we, still summer. It's still hot. Okay, okay, okay. Before we introduce today's very special guest, Big Ronnie, tell us what's going on. What What's going on is I'm yapping, and uh, pretty comfortable yapping, and I can't wait to yap about some things that are going on. Uh, Beyond the Streets, we want to talk about. It was extended through September 29th, and definitely go out there. Uh, I think this Thursday, uh, please check their site to make sure that I'm not mistaken, but it should be a free day. And if you're uh, apprehensive about the ticket to the, one of the coolest art shows that has hit New York in a while... It's beyond worth it. That's the day to take advantage. Beyond. Beyond. <laughs> so we're here uh, today with our special guest, and he's been a friend of the magazine, and we've been a fan of him and his work since we met, Mike171. Welcome, Legend. brother. Hello, 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 everyone. So, Mike... Uh, in in doing the research for our interview, uh, obviously, obviously one of the first things that Erica gave me was the book that you you're, took part in, the Wall Writers book. And I want to get to it, but I want to tell a little bit of the story about how it came about. So uh, some of the stories that you tell in the book are about you, you know, catching your first tag, seeing guys like Tacky on the streets and, you know, uh, seeing him in the neighborhood and things like that and doing some of the same. Yeah, well, like, um, Wall Riders came about uh, when we met Roger uh 2009. He was working on the project after he was just nominated for uh, uh, Academy Award uh, for the best documentary on Banksy's Exit Through the Gift Shop. So uh, what happened, uh, they gave him $50,000 to do his next project, which was uh, the history of American graffiti. So I guess the producers and the managers, whoever, gave him that he said he was going to all 50 states to do an article on the, the graffiti in each state. So when he got to New York and Philly, uh, I got a call from Snake One saying this guy is coming from L.A. He wants to interview you and SJK171. And after that, he's going to go see Rocky 184. And, you know, Rocky I haven't seen like 35 years from then. And uh, so Roger shows up with his crew one day, and uh, there's about 12 people. And uh, he said take about an hour, an hour and a half. So when Steve and I broke out, all our stuff, they end up staying five and a half hours. They ran out of film. And uh, from there, that's where he said he had so much information, he broke off and made the wall writers out of the history of American graffiti. So, so this was extra material. Exactly. So wow. it was just like a blessing in disguise that, you know, it, it was like, you know, he, it was the Holy Grail, you know, once it came through to New York. You know, he got everybody there. Am I crazy in saying that? part of your success or part of why 
your work is appreciated today is because you ran around with a photographer at the time? Yeah, well, not a, a photographer. It was just uh, SJK 171 Steve. His father he had a photo studio in the... In 68, my pops died, and, uh, you know, we were 12. And so we lived in the same building, so his father had us come after school down to the photo studio and took us by our ears and threw us in the dark room and said, here, learn a trade. You learn how to develop black and whites. And then he started taking us to doing photos at weddings and, uh, like, uh, Waldorf Astoria, where they had big conventions. We met Robert Kennedy there years previously and all that before he was assassinated. But, um, you know... uh, Steve always had a camera. So once we started hitting in the summer of 68, which I have the Wall Riders uh, page open, we hit with shoe polish, white shoe polish. And that's the first tags we did down by Edgecombe Avenue, Highbridge uh, Park there. And eventually that's the area where United Graffiti Artists would, uh, that would be our studio like four years later. Awesome. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Reread in the book that uh, you know some personal trauma made you run out and want not want to be in the house and it got you out on the streets more yeah. than you thought it would have at the time. But after you got after you got your your taste for it after you found out that this is something I wanted to do, where did that motivation come from? Because there weren't fifty guys out there doing this at the time. Uh, at the first, we just saw like you know there was things going on in the neighborhood already because you know you had the Spanish. Uh, down in Spanish Harlem and Long Amsterdam Avenue, uh, the blacks of Long Amsterdam, 165th, and we had High Ridge Pool, and a lot of Irish gangs were up there, too, like they called them the 500 clubs from the late 50s. There was a lot of doo-wop on our block, too. Frankie Lyman and teenagers came out of there. Uh, Earl Carroll from, uh, who sang Charlie Brown, you know, and they called me Mr. Earl. He lived on our block. So, we, you know, in the late 50s, 60s, you know, that's how it was. It was a melting pot of everybody, and we had Highbridge Pool there and everything. So it was, a, it was a big mecca up that way. And uh, things were on the walls back then. You would see, you know, uh, IRA stuff from Ireland, Northern Ireland. A lot of the Irish were coming over at that time because of Protestants and Catholics over there fighting against the was a big, British Army. Uh, it was towards a big thing. Yorktown, whatever, was a big neighborhood up there too, wasn't it, Irish? Yeah, it was a big yeah. heavy-duty Irish, you know. Uh, and Broadway is like... Um, where Medical Center, Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, is, uh, the other side was all prominently Jewish area back then. You had the pre-World War II apartments, sunken living rooms, extra bedrooms, and all that. And uh, so it was, it was really domained on that. But growing up in that neighborhood, that's where we would already see writings, you know, like Mary, Bobby and Mary, 65, you know. So that, that's the year, and Bobby and Mary, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend stuff. So you would see that on walls or on mailboxes and stuff before you saw tags with numbers, which were our street numbers, like two, Julio 204 and Tacky 183. That's what inspired us. So how, how did that turn, and I don't, I don't want to tell the story. Yeah. I read it in the book a little bit, but how yeah. did that turn into burners and full pieces, just you know, going from your name and your street number to really making, making the, the artistic point of it? You know, we read how SJK talked about it. He, was, he thought he was the first guy to put arrows Right. In his work, because he put all sorts of different little things around his yeah, tags. Squiggly lines and stuff that he has over here that uh, later on, 12 years later, Keith Herring would use around his, his stuff, like right there, Steve. He put three colors and all that. He put the, you know, squiggly lines, we call them and stuff. And because Steve's father had the photo studio, we always carried a camera with us. So Steve was able to document a lot. 
And later on, he took over 1,000 uh, pictures that we turned into slides, and they were eventually stolen by Hugo Martinez from UGA, you know, but we'll get into that later. It was also mentioned in the book and in the documentary. Now, to go along with the book, we'll tell our, our, <clears throat> our listeners that there was also a feature-length documentary made about the same content. So the same story that's in the Wallwriter's book is on video yeah, as well. Basically, word for word, what's in the Wallwriter's book is in the documentary. And uh, uh, there, was a screen, there is a screenplay that was written. Um, and there's a movie that's ready to be produced. Uh, it's a $30 million budget. Uh, Roger was about 65% ready to shoot with this. We're under contract to be uh, consultants with it. Snake One, uh, Rocky 184, myself, SJK 171, and Henry 161 were the five major players in this out of all the people in the book and documentary. So uh, when Roger was ready to go with this, it turned out he was, who was bankrolling this was Harvey Weinstein. And because of the sexual uh, charges and all that, was the, the whole program was dropped. And right now we have other people that are interested in taking it up. So uh, because of Beyond the Streets coming up last year in L.A. and now in New York and where we're heading next, uh, Roger kind of put that on the back burner due to the fact that this is more important to get the message of our art out here 50 years later. Cause, where you know, you're heading next? Uh, that's uh, for Roger to uh, announce. <laughs> now, are we... <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I tried, everybody. I heard that hint yes. in there. Yeah, I tried. I tried. <laughs> it, it's a good point in the story to, to bring up that the sold team in 2017 met mm-hmm. Mike 171 out in Denver because he was promoting the book and right. the documentary so mm-hmm. this happened in between that time um, that's that's fascinating that the what the labor of love that I think we all were very interested in that the book was produced and you're still promoting it and it's right. still a labor of love to continue to tell the story even through downfalls like that that are completely out of your control so this is but again you couldn't probably have ever imagined this right no i mean mean, when you were living this life you probably never could have imagined that the world would be coming to you to tell them about it you know because like uh, for us we were the pioneers we're the guys that went out there and 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 cleared the path so others could follow i mentioned that in the statement here but again you know we went through the the tunnels, the train yards, the back alleys and all that. And we discovered all these places, you know, to tag our name that later on people would be able to see. And, uh, again, you know, we knew that we were setting a new culture or something that, you could, that it couldn't be stopped. And once the Richard Goldstein interviewed me for the New York uh, Magazine on March 26, 1973, I made a statement that said uh, it's going to, it says, says Mike 171, it's going to take more than cops to stop this movement. There's thousands of kids all over the city with bags of paint just waiting to tag their names. So that was a revolutionary type statement saying that you can't stop this. It's not going to be stopped. We already were five years into the game already from 68 to 73. And it, would already, it, would always, it was already at its peak, you know. That's when everybody started coming out, you know, from top to bottoms, burners, you know, and all that stuff. So, you know. That, that's where we were. And uh, for the five years, six years that I was in the game, I stopped in 74 when I had to go to the Navy uh, to get off the streets of New York due to the gangs and the drugs and everything Vietnam was going on. That The only way I felt I could survive was to get out of my element and join the service. You know, So I tried the Marine Corps in 1973, stitched one to forge my birth certificate. 
uh, Jose Jack Starr and I went to the Marine uh, Corps to sign up. We signed up on the buddy system. We came out here to Brooklyn, Fort Hamilton, ready to get sworn in and get on the bus. Next thing you know, they pulled me out of the line and they said, you know, come with us. You're only 16 due to your YD cards and your school records, so you can't <laughs> go in. So, so Jose, like, was stunned, and he went. He got on the bus. I didn't, and I had to wait six months, and I went to the Navy after that. Got it. Um, yeah. This is a very good point. I'd like you to tell the story because as everyone's going to be on the streets, the identifiable icon of the the um, the show, yeah, the show is the Kilroy, right? Um, Kilroy was here. Cartoon. Mm-hmm. Could you please tell that story? And I'm sure that when you were in the Navy, that it influenced we've never you. told the story on the podcast. That's right. That'd yeah. Well, be great. well Kil- Kilroy was during World War II, mm-hmm. which in the book I'm going to now and. Uh, Basically, it was a, a guy who was supposed to be working out of uh, the Brooklyn uh, Navy Yards over here, and he was tagging uh, the ships, because that's where the ships were being built. And what happened, um, you know, he made, his, he made his way around when the guys were over in Germany and whatnot, and they would put Kilroyers in. they put, like, the nose and the hand mm-hmm. looking over the fence, you know, doing recon, you know, like, where's the enemy and stuff, you know? So letting the people know, hey, we're here. You know, that's, that's the sense I got out of it, and we're talking to all the people, Roger and them. So that's where the Kilroy, and as you see in the articles, the ships here, they had newspaper things, and it became a, a very vocal point, you know, where art is from the heart. That's what I feel. That's the main thing why I'm into all this, is, you know, you, a person to express themselves, how they feel at that moment, at that time. You got something in your hand, a pen, a rock or something, the cavemen, they draw it on the oh, yeah. cave, you know what I mean? They express themselves, and that's what, uh, you know, from back then to where I am, where I started, where I am today, and what I want to give back to the community is, is working with kids and stuff, and, and just let them express themselves, arts from the heart, you know, so uh, I'm, I'm big on that. But back to Kilroy, again, it's like all the military guys just picking up on it, it was in newspapers, and when it came home, that, that's where it went, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and it was it was a really it had a lot the same kind of idea of graffiti because yeah. it also was uh, who I am and where I'm from because yeah, exactly. it became synonymous what with the the U.S. service guys and they left it all over the world yeah. basically and it's like we were here yeah you're not gonna sure Joe Schmo was here or whatever they put Kilroy it sounded yeah. better and a little cartoon character face you know and and that's that's why Roger was uh, you know as soon as you get off the elevator you look left you see John Nash shot of the uh, second generation of kids that grew up on our block, Butler 1, 2, Faye 153, Ben 170. They're all the picture of the younger kids, four or five years younger than us, that were following us up through the early 70s. Uh, and then they had the, the John there, there, and you see the TAC crew with their nice thing. And then you go to the history section. And everyone's saying that's like the biggest point of the show. Because if you take time out and read it and get into it, you see how our neighborhood was at Riders Corner 188, how our simple tags were thrown up on the truck, the wall, you know, different parts, tacky, this, that, all the newspaper clippings that were coming out. And that's what the hunger was, the drive was to get publicity, get known, mm-hmm. you know, and all that. So once that was there, uh, that's when you, Hugo Martinez came into play in 72. I know I'm skipping through. I know you want to ask questions, but I'm just... No, that's no, okay. go no, for I'm it. I'm just rolling for it. So what happened is... I know when to shut Roger up. Throws, Roger <laughs> throws up on the left side of New York. I'm not going to say what's on the right. is Cornbread and all the Philadelphia guys. You know, <laughs> Cornbread saying, you know, what he did in 67. And then we got Tacky and Julio 204 from 67, 68. 
So we took all the neighborhood stuff from there. Hugo found like the top 20 guys, Stitch one, you know, Cat 87, Snake one, then myself, SJK 171, Jack Star, Henry 161. And uh, so you guys stop writing on the walls. We could get canvases, a workshop, and then go see where we can go for it from here. So we were the first guys to put it from the streets of graffiti vandalism onto a canvas, from the canvas into the galleries, galleries into the museums. But again, once that first one was sold, the first canvas, as the book says, Walt Ryder's Graffiti at Its Innocence, that was my statement, because my statement in the interview with Roger in 2009 was, once that dollar bill was exchanged, it took the purity, the innocence and purity yeah. out of us as kids of who we express in ourselves. And it was you know? because, you know, what I think is so great about Beyond the Streets is you brought up the dollar was exchanged, and then right. we have the next generation. Right. And that becomes almost the business of graffiti. Exactly. And that's what um, like. And usually, though, when you learn the history of graffiti in New York, they start you at the business. Mm-hmm. They leave out the 20 years before when you guys actually were creating the art form. When it was just about the art form, it wasn't about the business of yeah, we graffiti. Were the fo- we were the foot soldiers. We were the guys that were the front line of this new war that we were going out against. It was us against the world. You know, we're going against the, the system, politicians, everybody. The war of Vietnam was going on. You know, they just killed all our leaders, you know. It was a scary time you know, to be I mean, a young you, kid. In, yeah. in the book, you guys refer to yourself as hippies a lot. You guys were not, you know, really about all the drama. No, I mean, my brother and all the other guys, they went off to Vietnam. They came back, and they were all, you know, LSD. They came back with Pink Floyd and, and Poco Haram music and, you know, Uriah Heep. And the things that people, it's all psychedelic music, you know. And, and this is what we grew up on. So, you know, we were dropping acid and taking pills and drugging and doing all that stuff, you know. That was our main thing, just having fun. And graffiti was just a pastime. You know, we played our street sports. As you see in the beginning, we're playing roller hockey, stick ball. You know, it's all in the interview that we got here. They got a picture of me playing street hockey. My mother threw a sheet out the window, and we put it around a little <laughs> thing and, and made, a, you know, a little goldie net. And... Uh, you know, and, you know, we were kids having fun. You know, I didn't have a father figure, so I came to the streets. And our neighborhood, which consists, like I said, Spanish, black, white. You know, they call me White Mike because when I ran with the brothers, I'm, yo, power to the people. When I'm with the Spanish, oye, brother, como ta? You know, <laughs> you know I, had to, I had to be like a chameleon for myself to survive, you know. So it was hard for Steve and I being like the only, as... Richard Goldstein said we were the only Anglo-Saxons in the thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, but from Europe, we come over here and we conquer. We, pill- we pill- pillaged the communities, and, uh, and that's we left our marks, you know? So, I mean, here we are, full circle, 50 years later, you know, from 12 years old. I'm 62 now, you know, uh, 51 years in the game. And it's just, like, mind-boggling how it came, this far and like in like I said 10 years ago we met Roger and I give Roger all the kudos uh, for getting us all together and and doing where he is today would be on the streets uh wall riders the film and the movie that we'll probably put out in a few years from now so you hadn't you were part of the exhibit in LA also correct yeah last year we did so what was that like the first time you walked into the exhibit and saw everything hanging on the walls what did it feel like uh, you know, coming in, they, he had a different opening. It was a smaller space. As you went through the one here in uh, Williamsburg, it's 100,000 square feet. That one was only like 40,000 square feet, and it was just one floor but high ceilings. 
and you came in and you saw different things of like LA guys stuff, you know, because that's their home base, that's their hometown, you know, and that's why I'm glad what he did here in New York, you know, he put the history of us, you know, which means a lot. Um, well, it also makes you yeah. want to follow the show. Yeah, exactly. If, different, if it's the same exhibit in the same exhibit in different cities, it's less interesting than if it's, if it's exactly because when he announces right, exactly. where he is, yes. I'm already trying to figure out how I could get there. To be honest, yeah. because I wish now I'd been able to see the show in L.A. Yeah, um, you know, he flew, we flew out there that day, and uh, you know, we just got off the the plane within a half hour. We're outside, you know, it was hot, and uh, you know, he, they did his tacky, opened it up, and introduced some tacky one eighty three, introduced Roger. And then they went inside, and it was press day, you know, and that's where you guys were with us this year. And so, uh, you know, we had to go to our assigned stations, which was a little hallway right next to the bathrooms, and this is what he put us in, you know. Ah, so, so people end up walking by us. You're like I, Al Diaz so, in this show because he's yeah. got that whole long hallway, yeah. same old so down And I had to leave, like, the guys by our pictures and our history part, and I had to, like, you know, be the guy eat a Joe's hamburgers with the thing. Hey, stir the people at the circle. Good circus you. guy. You know, you, were the hype man. you know, so <laughs> you, were, you had to be so your own we, hype man. We That's did right. that. So I mean, and, and we got you know we got the plugs from the L.A. guys and everything. They put us in, but no, we told them the truth. That's like I'm speaking with you. I speak from the heart, you know, and and explain everything that you know what we went through, what these pictures were, because again, the picture. Uh, has a thousand words expresses itself so it's self-explanatory so all right let's see, let's yeah, see yeah, Audrey, let's see mike's poker face ready go ahead i think miami's going to be the next location okay now i got my bathing suit ready <laughs> <laughs> i think oh, it, what about philly or yeah well philly's so close to new york they could have come up here just a gut but i think it's going to be i think miami is that miami makes sense well, around that was it, that was in the original it, it, we don't have to pull no teeth on this when roger first before L.A., he said the three places he was looking at was L.A., New York, Miami. Yeah. So we're doing a triangle. That's a United States triangle. And then I could see him taking it to Europe, to be uh, honest. Uh, we're working on that. I had a conversation with him yesterday about yeah. that. Uh, London would eat Berlin. it up. No, somewhere yeah. further on the other side. Really? Uh, right. Tokyo yeah. would be pretty awesome, that's, too. Take that's, it to Asia. Take that's it like to on the fifth, Hong the fifth Kong. One yeah. That's great. that's great. So that's, that's why you guys were asking me before this. We started is, uh, you know, what I'm working at. These are things I just came back from Paris and Amsterdam before the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing the nine, uh, not the, well, I'm involved with the 9-11, being a survivor and the first responder from 9-11. Um, I'm involved with the flags and, and the families and everybody. So um, a guy I worked with, a fireman out in San Diego, Mitch Mendler, who's also a paramedic. Him, I, and another guy born out here in Brooklyn, uh, Lieutenant Joe Torello from the FDNY us three used to travel around because Joe and I were friends before 9-11. And then after 9-11, uh, we started going around speaking about our strength, hope, and experience of 9, being survivors and uh, going to different cities and different countries and speaking about this. So that motivational talks that we were doing, I'm taking that now with wall riders, you know, because I have to let go of that. That's my passion with therapy for me because, again, I feel that I, I should have been a victim that day I was under the second tower when it collapsed. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I felt that God, you know, carried us out of that. You know, like the footprints thing, when you see the footprints in the sand and sure. said, why did you abandon me? So that was me carrying you. And that's what I felt. I was reborn 
And, uh, you know, God's given me another chance. So it wasn't your so, time yet. Yes, yeah. exactly. And basically, you have more of a purpose here on, on that's, Earth. That's every that's single inch and every single part of your being is New York. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, I mean, born, raised, and bred in Washington Heights. And, and so, you're the story of New York. Yeah, you know, no, Honestly, yeah. I mean, we're sitting here talking, and you so really are you, the story yeah. of the city. If you city. don't mind me asking, what were you doing there that day? You were there on 9-11, 2001. Yeah. Well, let's get back to basics on that. Uh, I was running for city council uh, for District 7 up in uh, Washington Heights, Harlem, and Inwood, northern tip of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And um, before that, I was uh, with the police department running a civilian patrol called Inwood Civilian Patrol in the 3-4 precinct. So I was always volunteering in the community. I took the police test five times. I didn't get on because of uh, financial things that they, they, they didn't hire. And uh, the test ran out. After two years, they took you off the list. Then when they raised the age limit to 29 to 35, I took it again. And they said, uh, you know, your health, you couldn't get in, this and that. And I said, all right, fine, you know, because I was hurt during uh, construction injuries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I gave back to the community, you know, doing civilian patrols. Uh, my mom's was robbed in the elevator, punched in the face. Oh they stole God. the gold chain. So I said, I didn't want this to happen to any other woman, mm-hmm. my mother, your mother, grandmother, mm-hmm. daughters. So I started patrolling the streets with a handful of other people, and we got... Um, financial uh, backing by uh, city councilmen, assemblymen, all the politicians. Wow. And, and I did that for over 20 years. So that's how I ended up running down there to uh, Ground Zero mm-hmm. that day. We had a patrol car. Steve and I ran down there. Uh, we just finished voting uptown, dropped the kids at school, voted, giving out our flyers. Mm-hmm. Saw that the first plane hit. We jumped so down there. you didn't there. think twice. It was just like yeah, a gut just reaction. Yeah, it was just an instinct, you know? Like, people yeah. you probably know? need my help down there, so and I'm going to so go. We, yeah, we did that. Think twice, the though. first building collapsed. We got caught up in that big uh, cloud and all that. And then once the second one came down, we were in the street, on Water Street there, and uh, just took uh, refuge under uh, an ambulance, and all this stuff came around us. Mm-hmm. And I told God, please make it quick, take care of my wife and two kids, and uh you know, so you really thought well, that we you survived. were, yeah, you I might did. Not yeah, exactly. Wow. You know, that's how quick it came. You know, and uh, you know, here I am. Later on, I'm being treated for my breathing up mm-hmm. as a Mount Sinai and everything and all that. So, you know, every day is a blessing for mm-hmm. me. So, like, I want to live as much as I can, do as much as I can, like with the 9/11, with the families, the the flags that I do, and with the book. The mm-hmm. book is this is the Bible. This is the Holy Grail. Like I said, I want to continue to leave our message before I die this and leave this earth. I want to make sure that... It's a love story to the city people. of New York. Exactly, you know, so... Yeah, yeah. I had to take a deep breath. I just <laughs> take time out, so... Well, you don't, you don't have to grind. No. You know, do, it, do what you enjoy. Exactly, you know, I mean, I'm always taking care of pleasing other people. I'm a people pleaser, you know, where I got to take care of myself now. And so, you know... Um, I just got hurt again recently on a construction injury, so I'm out of work. And uh, the doctor said, you're not going back. We're not letting you go back this time because I had, like, three major I think it's accidents. time for you to travel the world. Yeah, Come exactly. On. So that's what, this is what I want to do. So in December, I'm heading back to uh, – we were just in Normandy for the 75th anniversary, uh, going back to Mitch Mendler, the fire guy. We have a 30 by 60 American flag that we're traveling all over the states with that. It's taking like a three-year program to get to all the capitals now, you know. And so we said, let's take it over to Normandy, to Utah Beach and Omaha Beach for the 75th anniversary of D-Day for all the soldiers that died, on, you know, during that invasion. Uh, so now we just invited back to Belgium 
for the 75th anniversary of Battle of the Bulge, which was with General George Patton, and his granddaughter is going to be there. And she invited us to come there. And while we were there last time, we went to his grave with the flag, and she saw that, and she said, I want you guys to come back December 11th to the 17th. So I'm already making plans for that. Wow. So because I was over there for that week, I told Steve, SJK, someone to meet me in Paris since we would be there. The other guys were flying back. You meet me there on the 10th, and from the 10th to the 17th, we did Paris, Rotterdam, Amsterdam. We showed the film documentary there. And it was funny because a lot of people thought from yesterday with Henry Schwann's movie of Star Wars, Star Wars and all that, they thought graffiti was like in 77, 79. Exactly. That's what I said. When, you we t- when you hear so, about the history, you guys were largely forgotten yeah. until now. So once I showed the book and we showed the movie, we went into a gallery that's all prestige where Coco uh, 144 and Snake had their show last year. And they call it The Godfathers of Graffiti. So we bum-rushed the guy in there and said, yo, open up. Here's the book. You know, we started this stuff, too, you know. And we're the Godfathers, too. Show us. <laughs> you know, so it's funny. So the, when we showed the film out and wrote it them, all these guys, they were just turning their heads. When they saw the film, they saw my big burn. I had a Mike 171 and a Jack Star, and they said, it's either Mike this or Coco that, that the lady said from Channel 4 uh, that's in the, in the documentary. Guys turned their head and couldn't believe that. You know, this was like early 71, 72 stuff. You know, yep. and then when they saw the book sixty eight, sixty nine, that were tagging, it just blew their mind. So now you know we're invited to go there for like powwow, and Rotterdam, which is September fifteenth. Then they got unframed in uh, Amsterdam going yep. on. We met with this other guy Peter that's supposed to be throwing uh, the world's largest uh, graffiti museum up right, in Amsterdam. Right. So I met with him and I just talked to him. That the should other be day. open pretty soon. He's right. been the end of yeah, the they've month. They've been working no, on it for a while. But uh, we were just up there, like we said, just before we flew back to open up uh, Beyond the Streets. He was saying uh, that he's looking at end of January of 2020. So okay. So that's why uh, I was trying to see what Beyond the Streets if they could go beyond the pond. <laughs> That'd know? be a great name for it, wouldn't it? <laughs> Beyond the Pond. <laughs> so, yeah. Mike, uh, I know that was a fast 35 minutes, but that zipped by unbelievably. Do yeah. we have any uh, questions for Mike before we let him wow. go? That's cool. Well, I mean, we could go on for hours. I'm curious, just like give us your, you know, you've been at Beyond the Streets all summer, but what's your thoughts on what's happening just on the actual streets today? What, what do you think of the current state of one? Politics are starting to kind of um, maybe heat up in the same way that you had experienced, um, and, and if we are headed that way, that's when you know the most rebellious art can maybe come to the surface. What, what's your thoughts? Yeah, well, I see, you know, right now we got legal walls that we do every weekend, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm working with Willpower. He has the art of Willpower on Instagram, and uh, you know, this guy is an amazing artist. He's awesome. Yeah, I love Willpower. He's also a Him good and, guy. Uh, Albertus Joseph, mm-hmm. and uh, we just did a with JPO. Yeah, they just just uh, did something with so our we're doing boy stuff JPO, and and you know in uh, Atlantic Avenue over in uh, East New York. So that's like our ex Vandals. You know, me being ex Vandal member now. Um, yeah. You know, so what happens is uh, we do that, and Will Powell's looking to do that like once a month. Uh, he throws up like he just threw an LL Cool J up there. That's the tag I just had up there. And uh, 
you know, and we're doing that. We have the ones that there's about three walls up in the northern tip of Manhattan, which we have on uh, 215th Street underneath the L, 207th Street, and then on the BP gas station that uh, a Philly crew just came up here on Wednesday, Thursday, and, and threw down. So these are all legal walls that, you know, we have to get permission from sanitation, uh, NYPD, and everyone. You know, so the guys come up, and we keep it controlled. You know what I mean? Uh, you That's clean up exciting, after yourselves right? and all that. <laughs> but then you see, you see what's happening now. Um, guys coming over from Europe, like Henry and Sasha mentioned yesterday, they're tagging the trains, you know. And, yeah, and you know, crew from Spain yeah. that got popped. They got popped. You know, it's a ten thousand dollar fine. These guys can't come back here no more now. You know, yeah. what I mean? so it's, it throws your visa off, especially with the Trump administration now. You know, they're coming down, and that's a sense of terrorism because you're going into train tracks. You, you oh, know, yeah. disrupting the daily lives of eight million people that are living here and commuting. You're just like the guy who put the crack pops out there mm-hmm. the other day. You know, what I mean, so you know, yeah. So you know, we, we, with this. Terrorism stuff and graffiti, they're, they're trying to, like, come down on that hard. You they're know? trying to use terrorism as an excuse to wipe yeah. out the graffiti. Yeah. Which, they found another way of coming at you sideways. So, you know, so guys have to take chance. And, you know, you got young kids, again, with the public school system, they, they, don't have, they took away all the fundings for music and art because that was a big thing growing up with us. You know, you had to play a trombone or the violin or whatever, you know, and, and music or art, you know, and then all that's taken away now. So art things, what we were doing, like when I went to London and, and places like that, we, we tried to get into the communities while we're there and we would tell people, put the guns and drugs down and put, pick up a pen or marker or guitar or something, you know, and, and, and learn something, you know, play from your heart, you know. And uh, yeah. so that's what we try to give back to people, you know. No, we love it. Uh, obviously, we are about building the community and artists that, uh, you know, take advantage of their opportunities to build, uh, you know, rarely regret it. Yeah. I think you're doing the right thing. I think that's the right way to do it. As much as you can inspire the next generation, I mean, these are the guys that are going to, you know, tell everybody about how cool you are, not just how yeah. great your work is. There's a, there's a, there's a difference while yeah. you're alive, you know? No, yeah, I think yeah. it was a really special time that can't be duplicated you know, and it's a good thing that you have a book like this that it's documented and right. people can enjoy, and and even the movie too that you can download on iTunes, you yeah. can rent it too. Yeah, you know. So I mean, we try to put people like when we do these, like X Roger, like he gave us his blessings to go with the movie and whatnot. You know, uh, if they, we don't charge anybody, we just want to put people really give, give out the message and put the people in our, our shoes at that time. You know how it was for us. Uh, you, like I said, during that Vietnam era and the city, how it was, you know, Maybe you know, from everything, you know. Happened then. Mm-hmm. Well, it gets, you know, people need to understand that graffiti has a much deeper meaning than just a couple of letters on a wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a voice of a generation. And you were the first one of the first people with that voice. And there were like yeah. you said, it was Vietnam. There was so much going on. And here was this way that you were expressing yourself, whether you even knew it back then. Yeah. I you mean, look, look at it yeah. now and you realize that that was, you know, you were, everything was all coming out you know, on look, the walls. Let me end on yeah. this. Um, what, what was it for you, essentially, is why you did it? Was it just to leave your mark? Was it a form of escape? Was it just to kind of be somebody else for a moment? You know, again, you know, it was like for us to say, hey, world, look at us. You mm-hmm. know, the, you know, like we we're said. We're here, the we matter. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you know. 
which stock they, uh, the other guys, uh, our brothers and, and all the guys on our block were getting sent to Vietnam. Then the other guys went up to Woodstock. They come back. So you had like the hippies and, and society, you know, and, and we're like lost in the middle. We're the teenagers, you know, mm-hmm. the lost boys, you know. So we went down into the tunnels, you know, with racism going on and all that. And so, you know, he had black, white, Spanish guys in tunnels, and there was no color barrier down there. You know, it was just the green, red, blue cans and that was framed. Everyone, everyone you know, was and that's what put us thing. together. You know, mm-hmm. that's why, you know, we're United Graffiti Artists that really kind of showed the world who we were. Once that came out, like in the, mag- the New York magazine, that really pumped us up because everyone was just trying to get into newspapers. But once we got so there. So the more publicity you got, yeah. the more you wanted to do it. Yeah, you know, and, and look, I mean, look where he got us. We got to, on the Joffrey Ballet at 15, 16 years old. We're doing Joffrey Ballet, 10 shows, you know, supposed to get $30 each for that. You know, you know, we were doing uh, um, Andy Warhol's place. Warhol, uh, Andy Warhol? Yeah, we were doing stuff with him. You know, meeting people, going to these parties, to going to people's houses on Fifth Avenue up in Riverdale, doing that, the living rooms and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And we're being uh, exposed to this high society stuff from a bunch of ghetto kids, troublemakers, vandals. It's like a whole other where world. We're looking at all this. Wow, look at this. And, you know, we didn't think about making money with this, that it mm-hmm. would take us where we are too. If we would have had the business, you know, Ventures on our mind savvy, that that you yeah. know back then where Hugo did that he made mm-hmm. the money and then he stepped off with it you know that's mm-hmm. why if you see the movie and what we said you know we had to show who we were and we took a stand and then it just changed everything for so that. like I said it, again you are one hundred percent New York yeah mm-hmm. so that's us so uh, again I'm glad that you guys had us here that we met in Denver I might be heading there in a few weeks they asked us to come back out there to crush walls. And, uh, that was a lot of fun. Yes, you know, I like the you know make good family members, friends out there with the guys. So. Like, let me just add yeah, this because I also want um, you to give our, your email or your the contact and and how we can find you on online. But when we got off the plane in Denver, Audrey and I were so excited to get out of the city. We hadn't been out of the right. city in a while, and you were the first person we met. <laughs> yeah, and we, and we found out that. Audrey and Mike like live like what three or four blocks. Away yeah, from we were both in Astoria at the time. Like, you gotta be kidding me! I haven't <laughs> come been out of the city. Come time. all the way to Denver <laughs> in the, the first juice, like, we, Yeah. <laughs> so that yeah. was how we all met, and um, yeah, that was great. I'm so happy that you're still promoting this project, and 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 it's it's still being pushed, and and I think everybody needs to have a copy of this book and add it to their collection because it's an important piece of literature on this culture and. Um, that's a Stella Bella recommendation for your <laughs> library. Right there. Well, Mike, before we let you go, can you please tell our listeners where they can find you online and what you're driving traffic to these days? All right. So I'm on uh, Instagram at Mike underscore 171. And uh, I guess Facebook, I'm under Mike Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S. And that's about it. No phone numbers, no address. You, <laughs> you find me, you meet me at Beyond the Streets. I'll be there till next month, September 29th. And uh, that's it. I'm glad for you guys to have us here and uh, hope to be back again. Thank you very much. All right. We are sold out with Mike 171.